Hello, welcome to IntelliCast. Thanks for joining. Welcome to a news episode. No guests today, so it's been a while, huh, Brian? It has. We've had a lot of guests as of late. Not yeah, that it's a bad late. thing, it's just hard to get our news episodes in when we have that many. But it, you know what worked out? Because like usually we record and the news happens, and today we're recording and the news, a lot of news just happened. Right, yeah, it did. I mean, this last, we'll call it 10 days or so, there's been quite a bit we've had to par a little bit of it down actually i think and you know this is the time in the next month when a lot of news will break before the holidays when it might slow down a little um so the next month is you know keep your uh, nose to the linkedin and follow the news updates right oh yeah linkedin us your mr web your research live and a bunch of other ones like stuff yep. just drops out of the blue um, thanks for listening. This is season five, episode 33. If you would like feedback on anything you say, um, you can text us directly. That's typically what people do is they just call me directly or email us directly. We love that. We love feedback. And sometimes, you know, a lot of these topics are, you know, we should, we should probably caveat this more often. It's just our opinions. We're not complete experts in every aspect of marketing research. We're, the premise of our news episodes generally is it's almost like office chatter, right? We're at the water cooler. Brian and I just read a news <laughs> item. We're talking about it from our perspective. Brian, who's been in marketing research yeah. for five, six years. Five years as of five years as of Sunday. Yeah, congratulations. Um, marketing a lot longer than that. So he knows that world um, pretty in depth. And then myself for a while, but you know, a lot of these are, you know, it's complicated news items with mergers and acquisitions and investments and all kinds of stuff um just our opinion our two cents and we're not perfect so we love we would love someone to come on and tell us how we're wrong or add to it because we're trying to learn and we're trying to just kind of talk about it that's our little niche i think in the podcast world and today is no different there's a lot of news stories so again that's intelecast at emi-rs.com follow us on twitter emi underscore research or in telecast one, and uh, you can also voice on our Texas at 513-401-5463. Whew, we've never really done a caveat like that, have we? No, but I think <laughs> I think some listeners probably know that because I think we've mentioned it in previous seasons. Like, hey, yeah. when we talk about this stuff, you are getting what we are essentially what we're recording is if you and I were just sitting at our desk chatting. Yeah, same. it's the same exact conversation with um, maybe just fewer curse words. <laughs> maybe maybe yeah um all right let's do a couple of current events first maybe yeah um as we record this halloween's coming up halloween yep um we we used to do the rank the halloween candy kind of stuff yeah um, i haven't been at home halloween the last couple of years but i think i will this year okay. and i think i'm giving out the, the a regular size hershey bar it's a pro move there we've done yeah. that in the past yeah um we've also done we'll do this fun size but i'm not given one i normally when kids come up i say you can take it i'll give you a choice we can use your hand for the handful or we can use my hand for the handful you choose oh. and we normally have a full cooler size a full cooler full of candy like you're a lot of kids we probably get around 150 or so yeah, yeah. huh well i like halloween uh one of my favorite holidays as a kid not so much for the candy. It was so much more the um, 
all of my friends and everybody's out and about, right? You're running around, you're goofing off. You get to be out with your friends a little later than normal after dark. It's just kind of a fun social holiday for me. Yeah, that's the same here. My kids are already planning. They're already lining up their friends who they're trick-or-treating with. They're planning their routes already. Yes. It's the time where they're going to do wind sprints, essentially, from house to house for two hours. Yeah. And then, I don't know if you will do this. I did with my brother. If you're two, we'll do this. Um, You kind of do a little bartering for some of the candy. I don't like this. Do you like this? I'll trade you two of these for one of those kind of thing. They normally do some of that, but I expect it to be a much more this year because my daughter has braces. So there is a large swath of candy she cannot eat because of the braces. No caramel. No caramel, no Skittles, that kind of stuff. Laffy Taffy, any of the chewy like stuff she can't have. So there is a opportunity for her to she's going to want to trade some of that out to get some of the other stuff that her brother may have. Yeah. Well, everybody have a great Halloween and this really kicks off kind of the end of the year rush um, holiday season um, chaos of the next couple of months. That's not just my personal lives, but also professionally. It's crazy. Yeah. I like to call it the six week countdown because it's the last kind of six weeks I'm working because I, like yeah. I don't, you take a little bit of time off at Christmas, but I normally take the two weeks off, which is yeah. why they're normally best of episodes. Yeah. So yeah. So it counts out, counts down my six weeks here. Yeah. We'll probably only have five or six more episodes left this year. Yep. Um, I know we have a couple guests lined up and we'll probably goof off on one of them too. So if you have ideas, let us, let us know ideas or segments or guests. We'd love it. Um, I also wanted to mention the current events. Uh, CRC is going on, man. Are you following this on LinkedIn CRC? A little bit, not as much as I yeah. probably should. Oh, I'm, I, the same thing happens at SMR Congress. You see all the posts. And I'm like, I just have so much FOMO. I wish I was there. Looks like good content. Um, you know, I know a million people that are there. It's in New York City. Um, just, I'm so jealous. I, I'm putting this high on my list of conferences to go to next year. That's the other thing, too. CRC used to be in, like, for as long as I can remember, wasn't it down in Orlando? Like, hey, this is your this is your time to get out of the snow type thing, or before the snow hits. Last trip to Florida, I can I can remember it being in Orlando, the same place, like three years yeah. in a row. I feel like it was in St. Louis one year. I've never been, um, and so it's mostly for corporate researchers, obviously. But there's a lot of suppliers there. I wonder why. Um, <laughs> Imagine that. Joke. Yeah, I wonder why. Um, it just looks like good content. And I really think the Insights Association is somehow post-COVID, if this is post-COVID, um, conferences have really stepped up this year. Um, I think people were itching to get back. And so good attendance, good topics, good speakers, good um, networking events. And I'm just so jealous. I wish I could have fit one more trip in this year. I don't even think it's just conferences. I think it's just doing yeah. things in general. Yeah. I'll just put this in a perspective. We took our kids to Kings Island for the Halloween festival they have, the kid version, not the like PG-13 version they have at night for the trick-or-treating. And we have gold passes, so we got in the half hour early. And we go during the summer. So, you know, we normally plan like, hey, we get there for 1030. It officially opens at 11. We ride some rides. We're there for like three hours. We go home before it gets too busy. Well, we went to the beginning of October 
And you're talking wall-to-wall people at 15 minutes after it opened, like hour to an hour and a half wait on every ride by 1130. And we're like, what is going on? Yeah. Following it up when my wife and I went two weeks later for the PG-13 version of just her and I, everything was a two-hour wait. And we're like, we have better things to do with our time than to wait two hours for a corn maze. So. Yeah. Yep. Things are opening up for sure. Yeah. Um, Should we jump into news? I want to mention TMRE too. Okay. The last conference of the year, November 14th through 16th, San Antonio. We will not be there this mm-hmm. year, but it's a big conference. Um, I don't know if it's lost its luster the last few years, but we haven't been there the last few years, but it's an expensive conference. There's a ton of brands. It's usually one of the bigger ones, um, but I wanted to mention that as well. We just haven't been lately and it's probably still awesome. San Antonio in November sounds like a good time to me, honestly. I feel like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like there are some conferences that are natural competitors. Yeah. And I feel like CRC and TMRE are a natural competitor. They're around the same time. They target the same group. I feel like it's just a natural competitor. Yeah. And, you know, we don't, we don't really think of EMI, at least I don't think of the conferences as competitive. We um, look at them for the content and, you know, dates are always a thing, and the and uh, where it's located is always part of the rationale and time of year. Yep. Um, so, you know, we try to attend as many as we can. We're probably a little bit partial to Insights Association because that's our, you know, it's our major organization supporting us here in North America, and they have a lot of conferences, a lot of content. Um, but, you know, we, we go to everything, right? We've been to TMRE before. We've been to all the quirks. We've been to SampleCon. We've been to IEX, all the Green Book ones. Um, little, you know, the... Insights Marketing Day. Yep. So we've been out. Your regional ones. Yeah. We'll, oh, yeah, we'll absolutely do regional ones. Um, MRMW. Yep. Um, that's a that's a decent one too. So we've been to, we've even been to some global ones. Um, I don't know what we're talking about. Let's just get to the news. Okay. Um, we got lots in the news. So starting off, I want to say this was about um, a week or so ago that Momentum announced that. It was laying having an 11% workforce reduction. Um, they said it's through a restructuring plan that aims to improve their operating margins and improve efficiency. Yeah. And, you know, this shouldn't be a big surprise. Um, you know, they're a giant company, and you expect this time of year to start seeing some redundant workforce eliminations. What I found most surprising was this paragraph here you you started it off with um describing it as a restructuring plan which will incur yep. cost between four and five million dollars including severance pay employee benefits and res- related facilitation costs um it could last through the q1 of next year or later in some countries this is pretty massive this mm-hmm. is not just hey on october 28th we're going to go let go 10 percent of the population here you go here's your severance Here's your opportunities for um, job search and unemployment. Thank you very much. No, this is a big deal. That's a lot of cost to me. It's four to five million. That still feels like a ton to me. No, having been through this in different industries, that's not that bad. Um, when you're imagining, keep in mind, there's a restructuring. They've probably paid some consultants as part of this. That goes in there. They're going to write that off. Yes, you have all of the severance pay, all of that, but also any as you're reorganizing, like it's not just, oh, 
uh, this engineering group had 10 people. Now you're only going to have eight. It's a, you know what? I might move this group. I might be merging these three groups into one. And these, these five positions are duplicates. I'm keeping one of you five, that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of that too. You know what I think the problem was why this happened? They changed the name to Momentum. That was the problem. Survey Monkey's a great freaking name. Survey Monkey's still there. It's just that's the parent company. company. I know, but they want to be called Momentum. Survey Monkey's a fantastic name. It was kind of a joke for so long, but it built equity. It's very clearly what they do, and they're trying to be something else. They're trying to grow and be beyond, you know, surveys. I get it. But I hate it for those people. That's a lot of people that have lost their jobs. I think they'll find other jobs and hopefully we'll keep them in the industry. Yeah. Not making light of that. Yeah. Well, the next our next news story kind of ties into that, which came out earlier this week, was that again, Momentive has been approached regarding another possible sale. Yeah. This came after their shareholders rejected its sale to Zendesk, I think February of this year, where they had their valuation at Zendesk had their valuation at four billion for Survey Monkey Momentive, and in the story previous about the workforce reduction, I think it's currently only at a billion, so they lost quite a bit of valuation over this year. Yeah, that's um, rough. I mean, that's that's huge. Um, and you know, you know why I think this happened, Brian? They changed their name. They changed their name. <laughs> if you want to tie it to that. I just saw a news story before we came on here that Facebook has lost 20, went down 20% today. Exactly. That goes back to, you want to tie back to them? They changed their name to Meta. Right. Ever since Meta, nothing's gone well for those people. They've been deposed in Congress. They've lost all this money. They've lost a lot of trust and listeners and viewers and whatever you do on the Facebook anymore. Um, Let's let's finish Momentum real quick. Okay. tough when you lose that much of a valuation that had to be part of the re- rationale they probably weren't going to let go of some people and then when the valuation goes down then you probably got to cut more costs than you had wanted to yeah. um so hopefully this is a good move sometimes you cut your workforce you get more efficient your refocus is what you'll talk about in this article and so i'm hopeful for that company it's been in the industry for quite a while and so i think they'll be okay yeah i think so too um and i'm sure those people who are going to be unfortunately let go are going to land on their feet as well. Yeah. So, you know, we're always hiring. All we talk about is hiring these days. And so a lot of those are probably tech people and shared services types of people um, that a little bit different in marketing research. It's not like a lot of salespeople and analysts and things like that, but there's plenty of jobs. So I think they'll find their feet somewhere. Yep. We're going to continue this acquisition trend here and Or I guess we're going to start this acquisition trend. Um, Maru Group, the research and insights advisory service provider, was acquired by marketing communications network Stagwell, which already owns Harris and Harris Poll. According to the article, Maru will become part of the Stagwell Marketing Cloud, which offers a suite of technology products for in-house marketers, spanning capabilities from brand intelligence to media activation and influencer management. What do you think of this? Um, interesting. First of all, um, I hadn't heard of Stagwell. I used to work at Harris, so, um, but they've gone through a lot of different ownerships over the past few years. So it's not surprising that I'm not aware of Stagwell. Um, looks like they're building something there. Um, a lot of different capabilities. 
and they have a pretty big global presence. They list a lot of offices here and they're all over the world. And um, I don't know Apollo program, but they'd say that they're joining them, which is um, in have behavior. So I like, I like when I hear the words behavior. Um, but one thing I wanted to talk about this article, at least this press release and how they're talking about it. Do you feel like a lot of the language is intentionally kind of vague and double speak? Yes. Because like, what, what do they do? What are they doing? And it's like, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. So a lot of those words, just I don't understand it. So I know what Maru does. I don't. That's not how I talk about them. Um, but anyway, that's not the point. Um, good for Sagwell. Hopefully, this helps Maru Group give some little uh, momentum and cash influx and uh, a different portfolio they they can scale. So that's all I can say about that. Okay. <laughs> I kind of see this going back, and I'm trying. I'm trying to rack my brain on it. Yeah, it was the programming platform. Was it Decipher or one of those that sold to like the healthcare company? Oh, um, yeah, it wasn't it was Forced though, right? Forced to sold right. Yes, I don't remember the name of it, but yes. Who who bought Forced? We're gonna do this live, <laughs> right? It was it's a healthcare management one. I remember that. Like they dealt with like press um, gaming. Yes, there you go. I, I feel like it falls into that category yeah. along with like the SAP buying Qualtrics. Like yeah. it's someone not in the industry buying someone in the industry because they're going to add it and they're expanding what they offer. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, it's in some ways, in some ways it's nice, all this money and interest in our insights field. And maybe this is a real rant this time, but I have concerns about it especially how it relates to sampling. Okay. When you have, and I'm not going to mention any companies by name, but there's been mergers and acquisitions with sampling companies. There's been PE money investing in sampling companies if not outright owning them for years and years. And Mm -hmm. that's great. That gives companies an opportunity to expand their innovation, gives, allows those companies to have money to buy better resources um, to do a ton of things that they probably couldn't do when they were privately held, right? That's right. Big, like, hire more people, all that. Yes, yep. all of that stuff. Be loud in the industry. Hire a whole marketing department, which you couldn't really afford before. Rebrand. You can do so much fun, cool stuff. However, ultimately, we have to, we need to keep samples consistent, and I don't think that is happening when you get investment into those industries especially when PE money comes in. And I don't know that world. You sat in a session recently right? with with different PE firms. They have different objectives than when a researcher owns the company. A researcher wants to uh, maintain consistent, and maybe this is pie in the sky. Maybe I'm being a little altruistic here, but I like to think that the private sampling companies want to be as consistent as possible so that they can deliver consistent data and sample frames to clients so they can be confident in the data they're getting. So ultimately the people that are spending the money on research to make confident business decisions. And when things are disrupted, when things are volatile, which is what happens, we see layoffs, we see lots of um, things change with the panel side, recruiting budgets change, how their focus changes. And ultimately, I don't think it's good for the industry. I'll just say that. 
Um, I love the money and cash influx, but if you're changing what you're doing on the panel side with how you're managing your panel and that that's just ultimately, we see all the time in the data. I mean, we, we do research on this. We track panels all day long and we know it's disruptive. And some of the most consistent panels before are less consistent. And I understand why you would get PE money, like all the reasons we just mentioned, but yep. I feel like it adds risk and Maybe I shouldn't be saying that, but that's kind of how I feel. I've been sitting, we've kind of talked about it a little bit. You've been holding this back for a little while. Yeah. And, you know, it keeps happening. We're going to hear more stories about it, I'm sure, in the next few months when another company does it. At at a bigger level, like a full-service market research firm, I don't have as strong as an opinion on it. It's really the sample part of it, because that's the part that is the, um, it is the ground, it is the foundation of um, the importance of decision making, and we have to give confidence in buyers that the sample is something they can trust and something they can make a decision on. And when that's disrupted, and when it's volatile, and a lot of people don't even know this, by the way, mm-hmm. assume that every, you know everything is the same today as it was six months ago or a year ago, and you can compare it, or it's not going to change at all. I mean, it's it's hard enough to keep it consistent with all the innovation that is naturally occurring in legislation, right? Right. It's hard enough when you have those factors, but then you throw in other factors. It's a nightmare. Well, and also fighting that factor of there's the thought that it's all the same. It doesn't matter who I buy it from. And we both know that's it's not a commodity. You like I just yeah. think back to your presentation at Georgia where you had slides saying sample is not a commodity like every third slide. Yeah. And I still get people, by the way, texting me that stuff like they remember <laughs> this and they, they remembered it. It's not a commodity. Um the way the panels are operating is very different and intentionally different. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing that they're different. You would think that the premium sample providers would want to differentiate. It is not a race to the bottom. It is not a race to the lowest price. It is not a commodity. We need to be leveraging the strengths and the unique offerings of our panels in our industry. We know them at EMI. We have a, over 100 of them. We have 30 or 40 that we work with all day long every day, and they're very unique. And that's a great thing for our industry. Um, they recruit different types of people or different niches, or they're better at certain things than others. That's a good thing. I don't know why this commoditization is happening. <laughs> so when people think that things aren't changing on the panel side, that doesn't matter. Right. I don't know. It's, it's... Or that it's all the same. It's kind of thinking like, all right, I'm going to build a regular house. Ha- I'm going to build a, a, let's call it a cheaper house maybe not and not use your premium finishes and then i'm going to build another one that might have that's good i'm going to sell premium but i'm going to use the exact same stuff no yeah right so why do you think why is that when i have a study if it if sample is all the same shouldn't every target just be gen pop 18 no matter what you're looking for right that would make everything the same but different studies have different goals why can't that's why panels are built they're to hit those targets and answer those questions. So this was probably, um, I think I was um, reading about a quality session that was at CRC. I think it was John Bremer. Was that who was doing it Um, at GFK? I think that talked about um, quality and the challenges with quality and commoditization in our industry. And, um, you know, those are related. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it's a problem in the supply side or maybe it's the buy side. I don't know, but the commoditization of sample, um, disruption of sample, and I think there's a lack of clear quality improvements by price that we've not done a good job of displaying, not in EMI, but as an industry. So why would a buyer spend $3 on a piece of sample when they can get it for 75 cents? We need to prove that out as an industry and, and teach them. But anyway, this was a long rant. Yeah. Um, we'll do this again. But um, yeah, we, we went down a little rabbit hole here, didn't we? PE money is, I think, ultimately is challenging and is causing problems in the industry. It's really my point. And then I don't even know what news item we were talking about when we talked about this. We were talking about the Maru Group um, <laughs> being acquired by Stagwell. The completely on the right. This one's a little, <laughs> the next story is, a, is tangential to what we just talked about. Okay, let's move on. Toluna acquired agile marketing research into analytics company GutCheck. Yes. Uh, the ac- acquisition will add GutCheck solutions, research methods, and team to Toluna's tech stack and operations infrastructure. And it, what I thought was interesting, it said that while further bolstering the group's presence in North America. Yeah. Toluna is obviously a, um, I mean, I guess it's one of the, historical big brands in sampling and they've been in the news quite a bit the last few years and this is a pretty big move i think that you have a sample company acquiring um a platform and more of a research company and so the other way around um so that can tell you what talina taluna is probably looking to do is expand online qual and because that's a lot of i mean cut check has been known for a long time about more agile um online qual um, I've been a fan of theirs for a while, actually. Mm-hmm. So really interesting what's going on there. And Toluna also, parent company of UK-based Harris Interactive and China-based uh, Karun Data. And so this is just kind of an interesting move by Toluna. Yeah, this was one that kind of like, oh, really? Yeah, this- kind of nowhere to me. I mean, yeah. never expected this. Yeah, kind of this next one follows that same one. Vox Popme has acquired Hub UX which provides a platform and service for quick turnaround qualitative and user experience research. Um, for people not familiar, this is the company founded by Jamin. Um, yeah, that's the part that, you know, you have um, Vox Potme, which has um, been kind of loud in the industry for a while. Mm-hmm. And Hub UX, which is Jamin, who I wonder what he's going to do next. That's the main thing. And that, so he's... He's building companies, and then um, UX was had a big reputation, and so now here he comes again. What's Jamin doing next, right? And that's the fascinating part of this to me is Vox Pop and that seems like a logical yeah. combination. They talk about the synergies that have been working together for a long time. That's great. Vox Pop Me is a great platform, and UX. we didn't work with them directly, but I big fans of them just because of the people I know that work there and founded the company or they're all stars. Right. And so right. Jamin, I guess he's an entrepreneur at heart. He's got a big name and voice in our industry. He's got a huge, amazing resume and track record. If you look at his LinkedIn profile, he's helped nearly every freaking company in this industry grow in some way. And so what he does next will be kind of something to watch for sure. Right. And kind of what it doesn't say is what is happening. Like, Kind of, yeah. if you remember the disco buying feedback loop, they they brought on Roddy and some of those other bigger names in market research. 
is Vox Pop Me? Is Jamin essentially moving over into that C-suite at Vox Pop Me? Is that a question? Because we know yeah. Dave left. Dave the stepped, who, stepped away. Dave. Yeah. He's, yeah, Dave stepped away. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there, by the way, right. that are on uh, sabbatical, non-competes, whatever you want to call it. Yep. And it's Matt Dusick, who's out at Innovate when they kind of reformed what they were doing. It's Patrick Comer, who is another innovator. I mean, Matt Dusick has built a lot of different panels. Patrick Comer has done the same thing and been very successful. Now we have Jamin Brazil out there. As I don't know, I'm assuming he's going to be, he might stay on, but I doubt it. That's just my opinion, obviously. But my guess is he's got a year. He'll think about what he's going to do for the next year and he'll do the podcast and he's going to keep his name out yeah, there. That's what I was going to say. What is not listed is the Happy Market Research podcast. Yep. What if he just continues that piece and says, you yep. know what? It's break time for me. I'm going to take a couple years. I'm going to do the podcast. I'm going to relax. Yeah. I might do some advising. I might sit on some boards and. Yep. That's you know what? what? I don't need some. I don't need the stress right now. It's what he did before. He kept his name out there, and he can get big names, and he can get people to tell him kind of what the trends are in the industry, and he can be very agile, and he can be very strategic with his next move, which I hope he is because he's building our industry, and I hope he stays in marketing research, and I hope that he is very strategic and thoughtful with his next move because I think it'll be a successful one, and he's got. I'm sure he'll have time. He'll force, probably be forced to have some time to think about what he's going to do next. Yeah. But a lot of other people are out there, too, that I hope we don't lose it as an industry. I hope that they're not sticking to um, gaming and photography and, you know, all of the other stuff that they're getting into while they're taking a year or two Sports off. Sports betting was one of them, Sports I think. Sports betting for Dave <laughs> You know, I hey, hope hey, that one might pay off. Let's be honest here. That might pay true. off. Hopefully those are just temporary things to kind of have some fun while you're waiting out a non-compete and then you're going to get right back in because the, all of those people have built or did build at least one successful company, if not multiple successful companies. And we want to keep that talent in marketing research. Um, so I'm hoping all of those people, especially Jamin, who's a friend of the podcast and who has been incredible for this industry. I really hope that, um, I'm sure he probably already knows what his next move is, but I hope he takes his time and thinks of the most strategic move. Yeah. Man, what a podcast today, right? Uh, yeah, that I think that ends our mergers and acquisitions component of today's podcast. Okay. And hopefully our rabbit hole segments as well. Um, got a couple more news stories here. Um, yeah. And I appreciate anyone who is still listening to this. So we are 40 minutes in. Well, you should be because these are important news topics that affect what we're doing every day. So hopefully you are still listening. Next up, Susie has announced a number of product enhancements, including video open ends, Max Diff choice ranking, and an integrated data, data visualization tool called Data Explorer to their platform. Um, I mean, obviously a big move. They're, they got a lot of money a couple of years ago and they're doing they're going to be doing upgrades. And so these are obviously... Good upgrades to have, if that's what you do. Um, also wanted to point out what a great picture of Katie Gross in the news release, who I'm a big fan of, and um, most recently spoke about when the Queen of England died. And um, hope, she, hope she and the rest of the Britons are doing well. They've been, they're going through a tough time over there across the sea. Um, I saw a meme about that, that there, it's like, I have been, I've seen, I've been two, I've seen the two monarchs and 
three prime ministers the month. And I'm nine months old. Right. Right. You know, there are, we talked about our economy. We're having challenges. Yeah. Boy, Britain's having some big challenges. Some people get threatened out. You know, our economies <laughs> tend to kind of go on the same path. But back to Susie, good move for them. They've, they've made a lot of moves recently. They went from not even existing to a big name in the industry in, in a pretty quick period of time. So good for them. Yeah. Um, this next story um, I found super interesting. I don't know if you will, but Nielsen has signed on to report on viewing figures for Netflix in the U.S. starting in 2023 as Netflix rolls out their ad-supported subscription option. So at some background, Netflix doesn't report their viewing. They have their own little internal thing that they make yeah. their decisions on that they don't make public. So if one of your favorite things got canceled, it didn't hit Netflix's little algorithm, didn't like it. But this is the first time that these viewing things will be made public because Nielsen will have to report on them for the ads, for yep. ad buying. So thoughts? Um, well, on the actual uh, Nielsen and Netflix part, um, what they announced, that's a logical move. Makes perfect sense. That's what Nielsen should be doing. That's their heritage. Um, no one has ever been able to kind of take them out of that top of the mountain of their ability to measure ads across platforms. And they pivoted pretty well as we went online. Um, that might be debatable, but I mean, they're still out there doing stuff like this. So yep. clearly being successful and people are believing what they say. Um, I'll say that and then we can move on to the fun part of the, of the article if you want. Okay, yeah, go for it. Oh yeah. What I love is this, is that somehow in this press release, it said, the firms have come a long way from a dispute exactly five years ago after Nielsen began reporting Netflix ratings independently and Netflix then said the ratings, which openly admitted viewing on mobile devices were not even close to accurate. So they, they had a little bit of bad well, blood. Yeah. Um, which I think is fascinating. Um, and the, I'm not sure who has the power here. Um, Nielsen probably has some power and Netflix certainly has some power, but you know, it's, it's a logical thing to happen but it's funny that that kind of comes out that some bad blood from five years ago that's a long time i think there's a little bit of both kind of saying hey let's put this in the past it's water yeah. under the bridge let's move forward because if you follow the netflix news this quarter was the first quarter they didn't lose subscribers over the like the flat, first two quarters of this year they lost subscribers yeah. which caused this ad plan which if you go back years they had said yeah we're never going to do an ad ad subscription it's this is the whole point of netflix you don't get ads you can the binge and you've noticed the stuff they've said years ago changes yeah. oh i have a weekly release now you can't just binge it all at once oh there's going to be an ad supported level now you said you weren't right. going to do that well i think that's part of it so they know like okay now i need to have accurate and i think part of that too is nielsen has improved a bunch of their stuff too because it's not just netflix like five years ago netflix yeah had the app how many other ones had that? I'm thinking maybe two, Hulu and Amazon. Now they're, I could name probably 15 or 20 different apps right. that have on that and ones that have ad supported and stuff. So there are options out there. Yes. So I think Netflix had a little bit of power on that aspect of like, hey, I can go to other ones else. But, and, yeah. but Nielsen also was like, well, we do it best. So yeah. let's, Let's call the five years ago water under the bridge. Let's do this. So I'm interested to 
what I'm interested to see is when the reports actually do come out, like, what is it? Like, I want to, I want to know some of these yeah. viewing things where, yeah. Like if anyone goes into the Netflix, oh, these are your top, these are the top 10 shows in the U S these are the top 10 movies in the U S there are some on there that I'm like, really? Yeah. Well, I wonder, I wonder if the advertisers are driving a lot of this too. So Netflix is determining what its ad rates are right by show. And they, they have to show the viewership to set the yeah. ads similar right. to network TV. But, but they didn't have to in the past. Right. So now I think that they're going to have to be a little bit accountable towards it. And Netflix is going to have to trust what Nielsen says. That's a, that's kind of a leap of faith a little bit, but everybody else does it. So right. let's see how this plays out. And I'm wondering too, if they're taking the model from your Paramounts, your um, yeah. NBC Universals, yeah, because both of them have the broadcast, they have the cable, they have those corresponding streaming apps that go along with each network, but they also own their own individual app that has an ad supported piece behind it. Yeah. So I'm wondering if that's why they went with like, oh, Nielsen's doing it for those two to get the teeth and doing it across Across all those levels. Yeah. So I think that's part of it because Netflix has more competition now than they had five years ago. It was Netflix. It was like 80% Netflix and everybody else. Yeah. So Man, I'm worn out from this episode. We got one more. One more. Hang in with me. Yes. So, and this is a more larger level one. This came out yesterday. Um, In the latest Institute of Practitioners of Advertising Bellwether report found that marketing research spend fell an average of 4.1% in Q3. This is the third consecutive quarter that it registered a marketing research spend downturn. I will preface this. This is a UK-based study, so that is all based on UK data. Yep. Not necessarily, but you can you yeah. can kind of draw some conclusions for the US yeah. market as well. Absolutely. There are our company's doing slightly better than theirs, but I would assume that pretty similar what's happening in the UK is happening here in North America. Um, not great news. That did sound promising though. Um, I think they said they expected to grow next this quarter. Um, and they also, yeah, it said that, but also it hasn't, they had a positive net balance of 8.6%. They anticipated yeah. budget growth next year, but they also said this was an improvement while it went down. The set Q2 was down 6.5%. So that downspend was less this yeah. quarter. So you're starting to see that start to even out and maybe ter- turn the other direction. Yeah. So, I mean, Whatever you want to call it, if, it's, if we're going through a recession or a slowdown, whatever the word is, economy is challenged right now. I think it will rebound. I think this winter might be tough for a lot of companies and countries. But I think by next spring, summer, I think we'll rebound from this quite a bit. And I think that we're going through a period of um, being careful with spending money right now and preparing for the bottom, whatever the bottom is. Yep. We may have reached the bottom. I like yeah. to think I think we're pretty close to the bottom, if not already reached it. So I think that this doesn't surprise me too much. And I like the positivity for next year. So hopefully we ramp up again next year and we just really grow this industry really rapidly. Cause I think we're you know, we get some stuff out of the way, we get the economies moving, um, we get through COVID, we get more trust just well, overall. <laughs> and I think that everything's gonna grow. 
Well, think about it too. You had a large rash of spending around COVID because yeah. it was brand new and people needed to understand what happens. Well, now you're living in a COVID near post COVID world flirting with a recession, depending on how you want to view it, whether we're in one or flirting with it or whatever, but yeah. that's going to change consumer behavior as well too. Yeah, oh, yeah. That, that, that's another need for spend. Like, Oh, this is what I thought, but there's yeah. new factors I need to consider in here as well. It's not, we're not 08. We're not 2002 yes. or any of that. So, well, you know, there's been volatility. This was a British article, as you mentioned, there's been volatility in British government for sure. in their economy, same thing's happening in the U.S. There's some craziness going on in our economy, and <laughs> our political situation is up in the air for the next two, three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we'll see how that works out, and that might give more confidence, might lower confidence. Who knows how this is going to turn out? I, hard to predict. Um, so hopefully next year is more of a stability, and by the end of the year, high growth. But I'm an optimist, so we'll see. I have one last thing for you, and I saw this, okay. and this it goes into your liking of weird facts and things yeah it showed i saw i forget where i found this but every time there has been a downturn over the last like 22 years so 20 like 2002 2008 and i'm going to tie this to baseball Uh both of those years the philadelphia phillies have won the world series when they've made the world series and lost you haven't had that essentially a recession when yeah. they win, we get a recession. So while I hate to say it, I'm saying go Houston. Oh, man. I can't say go Houston. I was just in Philadelphia around a bunch of Philadelphia Phillies fans, and I I have to root for them. Um, I really like the city of Philadelphia, and I still think Houston's cheating. They've been cheating for years. Oh. And I'm tired of them winning, and I can't root for them. I know yes, Mine is cheering for – just based on the on the tracking data of how it show, which is weird stats like that, I find right. interesting, and I know you do too. Which is why I brought it up. That's just why I'm yeah. like. So if they lose, there's no recession, or it right. breaks it, and this doesn't come up again. Right, our economy is dependent upon the Houston Astros pitching staff right now. Okay, pretty much. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, so I'll win either way. Either the economy win, or the Houston Astros, the cheaters, will lose. So, yeah. well, cool, man. Hopefully this was an enjoyable episode for you all. There's a lot of news out there. Um, long episode, but I think it's relevant. Um, so thanks for listening this long, if you're still listening. And reach out to us if you have feedback. We said we had a lot of commentary today, and we could have been wrong at something. We're pro- I think we're more right than wrong. But if you have an opinion, let us know. Reach out to us. Um, and thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody. Have a good week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.